Welcome to Cover Your Eyes podcast. Today we're talking about the movie Top Gun from 1986. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Holly. How are you today? Well, I'm very much wondering, and I I'm, mustn't be the first person to wonder, why isn't it runway to the danger zone? Oh, my God. You just blew my mind. <laughs> That's a great question. We need to get Kenny Loggins on here to ask him some questions. Kenny, were you missing your dictionary that day? <laughs> I guess you just wanted to make it more accessible to the common man who doesn't have a jet and has to take highways. Right. Okay. So in Top Gun, mm-hmm. nobody really talks about Russia. No. There's just a Moscow poster in the background of the bar. Russia is like ever present in our consciousness for a long time. In every movie, it's a Russian enemy, for as long as I can remember. Do you want to do a summary? Okay. I'll try it. I feel like I haven't done one in a long time. (laughs) Tom Cruise plays Pete Mitchell, also known as Maverick, who's a Navy pilot. He's a real hot shot. He doesn't play by the rules. He breaks them. And he is known for that. I guess that's why Maverick is a good name for him. (laughs) Um, and then his partner is sensible and his name is goose and he's also from revenge of the nerds gilbert (laughs) but now he's goose and they're really great pilots for the navy and then they get chosen to be in this program called top gun which is for the top one percent of pilots they get special training and they're selected so once he gets there he kind of has like a rival because you always have to, which is Val Kilmer, Iceman. And then he also has a love interest because you also have to have that. And it's Kelly McGillis, who's named Charlie. And then he meets her in a bar and it starts as just like another woman that he's picking up because he's known for getting the ladies. But then it turns into a relationship with mutual respect and develops. And it turns out that she works at his school. So there's some tension and drama there and then dramatic events occur he continues to be like a rebel but he still ends up winning even though he's breaking the rules pretty much all the time that's like the motto of his life something bad happens should i just say it yeah his co-pilot is killed and then that's like a wake-up call for him of like i need to take this more seriously and follow the rules and live in honor of Goose from now on. And he changes his ways. His relationship continues and he is a top gun. I don't know. And yeah, great. What else happens? Well, and then at the end, um, he chooses to be a teacher. Yeah. Instead of being a fighter which i thought was a really interesting choice which i'm sure we'll talk about more later that is a teacher instead of a fighter yeah that's deeper than i even mm-hmm. realized when you just put it that way mm-hmm. yes okay so this movie is like i mean it's the movie of the 80s i'd say like this and ghostbusters 16 candles couple others are like, that's the main movies of my 80s. Yeah. Top Gun was an event for the women in my family. (laughs) Excluding me. (laughs) Because you were not a woman yet. I was not a woman. I was a child. Um, Since we just said that, (laughs) let me just skip ahead to something before I forget. Mm -hmm. My friend actually said that the volleyball scene made her become a woman. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty sweaty. (laughs) Yeah. My cousin, Marty, and my aunt, Pishy, they love Tom Cruise. Right. They thought he was the bee's knees. Mm -hmm. And 
we went to the movie theater to see this movie. Everyone was excited about it. Sure, Aunt Pishy had more of a thing for Tom Selleck as Magnum Mm P.I., but Marty really loved Tom Cruise. She thought he was, like, so fine, such a hunk. Yeah. Personally, me as a child, I was into Iceman. Iceman forever. I stand by that to this day. It was interesting. I feel like this was a movie, like Top Gun was one of the first movies where I thought that I I noticed that I was rooting. I found myself rooting for the person that everyone else wasn't rooting for. Yes. I am so glad that you bring that up because that's one of the main things that I noticed about this movie. And when my husband and I rewatched it like a couple of years ago, we both were like, he's actually an asshole. Like the hero is not a hero. And then when you go back and watch so many eighties movies, you can see that it's like, wait a minute, they're actually really in the wrong. And that's the case with this movie too. And Iceman is actually just being like very sensible and respectful of other people's lives. (laughs) Iceman is hot. Okay. Iceman is like the hottest guy in this movie. (laughs) Everything about him is the best. He is the best pilot, legitimately, and he's not the one that actually starts things. It's Maverick that's, like, looking around, like, oh, who am I going to be, you know, and he's very arrogant. And so he has that reputation, and Iceman is just like, I don't like you because you're dangerous, and you endanger lives, your own, including other people's, innocent people's lives. And that's why I don't like you, and it's like, that's a very good reason not to like someone and how did this ever become the bad guy in the movie i think that might be the most legitimate reason to not like someone yeah yeah exactly okay so i'm not misremembering that everyone saw iceman as the bad guy yes oh i'm i'm sure that's like if i had to summarize memories of this movie it would be like motorcycle amazing bomber jacket villain is Iceman and then love interest is that woman and then the Kenny Loggins songs that's like the whole movie Iceman is the villain okay because because when I was watching it again I was like did I remember it wrong and maybe I like had blown up in my head that just because everybody was so crazy about Tom Cruise like maybe I remembered wrong but no no I think you're right okay you're supposed to hate him Wow. I know. That makes no sense. It makes no sense. Whatsoever. (laughs) He's not doing anything wrong. (laughs) He's trying to protect people. (sighs) I guess we're just supposed to like Maverick because he's so blatantly megalomaniacal. (laughs) Megalomaniacal. Megalomaniacal? Yes. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Maverick is a maniac. He's got something to prove. Right. He needs to prove it in every fucking room that he goes to. And mm-hmm. like he needs to make sure that if everyone is not paying attention to him, that they will be in about 0.5 seconds. Because mm-hmm. he's a maverick. And it's like slow down man you're in a classroom stop trying to steal the show Mm -hmm. like I've been in classes with people where they have to turn and make everything all about them the professor (laughs) (laughs) yeah fucking professors (laughs) so Top Gun opens and they're on the giant boat that you have the aircraft carrier the aircraft carrier Mm -hmm. those things are crazy i know i mean okay first off landing a plane just generally (laughs) but let's land a plane 
in the middle of the ocean onto a landing strip that's also moving. Mm-hmm. That's intense. It's so intense. Lots of missile money shots. Mm-hmm. I just want to emphasize once again, not the only one, Dr. Strangelove did it best. But boy, oh boy, do weapons of war really look like penises? Also, Cougar has a nervous breakdown in there. Yeah, so Cougar, this is like at the very beginning of the movie, and Cougar is another like great pilot, but then all of a sudden, a MIG, which I looked up, <laughs> and I was Good. like, what is a MIG? Yeah. And just a Russian jet from yeah. like, Mikulavi and Mikhail go something. That's what the MIG stands for. Okay. It's been around since like the 50s or 60s, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so a MIG is a Russian fighter jet and it shows up and starts harassing them in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And one of them gets really close and Cougar thinks that his plane's going to get shot down and he loses it. And then he can't get it together to bring the plane in because he's so traumatized. But then Maverick goes back and they're both running out of fuel. It's like, you guys get better at this. They're both (laughs) about to run out of fuel. And then Maverick, instead of landing to bring him and Goose into safety, goes back to try to help um, Cougar. So it's like, Yes, he's breaking the rules, but he's doing it for like a noble reason, but he is jeopardizing Goose's life against his will, but it's to save two other lives. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of ethical issues in this movie. But so Maverick does help bring Cougar back in safely, which was like a miracle. But then Cougar realizes that he can't go through this anymore. And he's looking in the picture of his wife and baby and he comes in. And he hands in his wings and he's like, I almost orphaned him and I've never even met him yet. And he's like, I can't do this. And he leaves. And I actually wanted to talk about him because I think he's the real hero of the movie. <laughs> Don't you? I love that. Yeah. Yes. I like he, that took so much courage to leave all of that hard work that he'd been doing. And he was actually the one that was nominated to go to the Top Gun Academy, the top 1%. But he reprioritized his life and he left it. He chose love over war. Yeah, that too. Well, and it also sets up for why Maverick already is going to this, the Top Gun school with a chip on his shoulder, extra something to prove because he was actually number two. Ooh, yeah. He only got in because Cougar dropped out. So the reason that we find out later that the reason Maverick always has something to prove is because his dad was also a Navy fighter pilot and he basically went missing. Like he died, but he got shot down and he apparently his dad had like a controversial reputation because he got blamed for something but they never would really say what, because it was like classified. So all Maverick knew was that my dad screwed something up and people died. Mm-hmm. But And so then he feels like he really has to like, you know, um, rectify his father's image and like save his dad's reputation by him being the best to like make up for his dad's mistakes. Yeah. And he's willing to go to like any means to do that, even if it means breaking the rules and like becoming exactly what his father's reputation is that he's trying to disprove. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. By trying to correct something, he's actually becoming the thing that he's trying to correct. I don't find Maverick to be appealing. Yeah. As a character, he annoys me to no mm-hmm. end. And I'm confused because if <laughs> I if I just saw this movie today mm-hmm. and I had no cultural context 
whatsoever. I would go, oh, this is a movie about a guy who is way too flashy and arrogant and he gets knocked down a peg. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that he was too flashy and arrogant and he's going to try to do things differently. But at the time that this movie was out and very popular, I felt like all of his negative behaviors were being celebrated. I think they were. And that like the actual point of the movie was lost. Am I remembering wrong? No, I think you're right. I think everything was that he was the hero, like the anti-hero, I guess, like breaking the rules, but still winning and being cool. And like, you should be rooting for him. But yeah, now looking at it again, I see, you know, like the way that you said, it's really a story of him. He is taken down a peg at the end and he does settle down, but that's not the main message that was like, propagated from this movie (laughs) the need the need for speed that's what (laughs) came from this movie and never leave your wingman do you think that maybe part of it is that the gooey center of the movie can't be discussed so men have to shield their emotional progression in the need for speed mm-hmm. and other macho trappings that this movie affords as a protection so that when they get a little bit weepy when goose dies nobody will notice goose dies spoiler alert <laughs> honestly watching it again i have forgotten a lot and i was like I think that Goose dies, but I'm not sure. Like, I know something bad happens, but why does he have to die? Don't let him die. And then I'm like, okay, he dies. He dies the way that that woman dies in American Juggalo. His death is a plot device to further along Maverick's sudden and swift character development. Exactly. I forgot about that part. And I always forget that Meg Ryan is in it and Tim Robbins, but mainly Meg Ryan. I'm like, what? what? She's kind of in it a lot, just to not remember at all. She's Goose's wife. And she's so adorable. I just love her. They're really good. Yeah, I think they're really um, have a good chemistry together on screen. Yeah. Like, I buy it. Yeah, I buy it too. Mm hmm. I love my grand's dress. I know. Everyone in this movie is red all the time. Oh my God. They're always sweating. Everyone's really, really sweaty. And red. And I'm like, okay, you guys are so sweaty and you don't even hardly have any clothes on. And yet Maverick is always wearing that really heavy leather bomber jacket. Yeah. But when you're on the motorcycle, you're getting a good breeze. Oh, that's a good point. And they're in California. And like once the sun goes down, it gets cold really easily. Okay. okay so it's more realistic. Than... Yeah. I was thinking about those things too. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I was wondering like, why is everyone always dripping with sweat? Like no matter where they are. I don't know. It's like there's no air conditioning anywhere. Yeah. It's like, it's the eighties. They did have air conditioning. Do you want to talk about Charlie? Charlie. Is she named after the perfume or is the perfume named after her? Or is she named after the Viet Cong? Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're always taking it to deeper levels than <laughs> there. I'm sure that you could find a way to work that in. Like I probably you already have. I'm sure you have like a Vietnam underbelly to this movie. <laughs> There's a Vietnam underbelly to like every movie from the yeah, 80s. I can see that. Charlie. So what a lot of people remember from this movie too, is the bar scene where they sing, you've lost that love and feeling like that's a very iconic scene. And I never really liked it. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I'm just like, I could do without this. I, it's not one of the things I remember. 
But I remember once in junior high, these girls, we were in like choir class and these like three girls started doing this scene. And I was just like, okay, it's not that great. And I would feel extremely awkward if I were her. I would be like, please stop. This is terrible. <laughs> I don't think she really liked it. No. <laughs> it went on for a long time, though. <laughs> so that's how he approaches her, is by getting a microphone and starting to sing. You've lost that love and feeling to her, like, directly in her face, as a stranger, in a bar filled with people. And then suddenly all of the Air Force pilots join in, and it's like a huge chorus singing to her. And she's like, okay, sit down. And that's how he like breaks the ice. And the reason he's talking to her is because like he is known as being a ladies man. And then um, Goose makes a bet with him, which is like, it seems like it's a routine that they do all over. He's like $20 that you can't get her. And you have to have carnal knowledge on the premises. So basically he's betting him $20 that he can like bang her in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's so charming. So that's how it starts. But then as he talks to her, you know, she's not buying it. And then he, they just have like a kind of, I kind of think their dynamic is cute. It's like, she knows that he's full of it and he knows that she knows and she's not buying it, but she's still having fun with it. And um, he's persistent. I would say it's not that persistent, but then he does walk into the women's bathroom, which I was like, I feel like we've seen this in a few movies where men just decide, I'm going to follow you into the bathroom. And that's totally normal. That's not scary at all. I know. That's not okay. No, don't follow (laughs) people into the bathroom. It's happened in other movies. Can't think of it now, but cut. Yeah. It's not okay, men. Even though I will it's in cut you. Romantic comedy. <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> and most women aren't going to handle it as calmly as Charlie did. No. But see, I think Charlie knew that she could probably take him. Yeah. Because I think Charlie's actually probably lethal. I think <laughs> she's a lethal assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not a good idea. I mean... I think that there are times when I have been very hesitant about bathroom, about restrooms, public restrooms, because like I didn't like the men that were sort of standing around or the hallway Mm -hmm. was too long and dark to go down. And it's the perfect place for a rapist to lurk, like legit Uh, concerns. I drive a lot, you know, and then so when I have to stop for gas and go to the bathroom, I end up at like a lot of truck stoppy gas stations. And it's like you go down a long hallway and then both of the doors are pretty much by by each other at the end of this hallway. And it's very creepy. I mean, it's usually majority men, especially because it's like a truck stop gas station. And it's just like, I don't like this. It seems really easy for someone to just push through that door, like grab you and take you in there. So yeah, don't do it, dudes. But in the movies, it doesn't <laughs> happen that way. And it's like a charming encounter takes place afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she just like plays it cool and he comes in and kind of flirt a little bit. And she's like, what do you want to do? Just drop down on the bathroom floor and just do it here. And he's like, maybe. And he's like all laughing about it. But it's not like, I don't find it that creepy. Like, I'm sorry. I still find their dynamic like cute. No, I actually see. I She's looking at him. I feel like Charlie looks at Maverick like he's a kid. Yeah. She's just like playing with him, basically. Yeah. And so it's not, it doesn't feel... Uh, like the dynamic she's actually the one that has more power in this relationship and so it isn't threatening the way Mm -hmm. that it is usually even in movies where it's supposed to be romantic you know there's usually still an element of creepiness Mm -hmm. that is actually not here even though technically he did just follow her into a bathroom and like we were saying um (laughs) Charlie and Maverick have a measured romance. 
They know the rules, they know the boundaries, and they have the ability and the emotional wherewithal to stay within the realm of those boundaries, mm-hmm. which makes sense because they're both like military people. Right. I too like their relationship. I think it's a cute, sweet relationship. Charlie has a actual personality. Mm-hmm. She's not treated like a sex object. And no, the men are more sex objecty. Yeah, I mean, you get sweaty um, man bodies all over the place in this movie. <laughs> I mean, at one point, one of the guys even yells, "I want some butts." That's my favorite quote. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, if she's like, hey, we're going to have this relationship, but I'm going to Washington, D.C. Because mm-hmm. I'm getting a job. And he's like, that's great. Yeah. There's no like, oh, aren't you going to stay there? It's like a realistic uh, adult romance mm-hmm. where people have jobs and priorities that are, you know, like career people. People who take their careers as the primary um, motivation in their life. And you don't see that a lot in movies, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really even think about it until we're talking about it. But like usually in a movie when there's a romance, if there's any sort of tension around career, it's because one of them is like giving something up Mm -hmm. for the other. And then that's like the thing that's romantic. And in this movie, the thing that's romantic is that they both support each other's careers. Yeah. They do. They have a very healthy relationship. And it's so funny that it's like um, impressive that they're interacting normally and respectfully with each other the entire time. And it's like, this should not be so impressive. This should just be. But I did find myself being like, this is great. He's not like belittling her. <laughs> like mm-hmm. nothing bad is happening. Nothing negative yeah. is happening between them. They're both just like respectful and supportive and they like to have sex with each other. I'm like, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really and, great. And the first time that he comes over to her house, went, like their first date. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, can I take a shower? Cause he's all sweaty from volleyball. And she's like, well, I'm hungry. So basically like, no, you can't take a shower at my house. Mm-hmm. And then, so he doesn't, and then they hang out and they eat and then he leaves and goes home and takes a shower. They don't do anything. They're just getting to know each other. And I was like, this is really interesting. It's just like an actual portrayal of the way you would, you know, a lot of times you would be with somebody mm-hmm. when you're first meeting them. Like, no, you can't take a shower at my house. I don't even know who you are. You know? He's like, well, I'm not going to make out with you because I'm all stinky. And I need <laughs> yeah. to take a shower. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very cute. So they have like dinner and then she's like, I'm just going to tell you, like, the reason I have you here is to talk about the MIG because his encounter with the MIG is, like, important to her research that she's doing. And she's, like, just being upfront with him about it. But then, so she's, like, I need you to help forward my career. And he knows that. (laughs) (laughs) But then also she wants to sleep with him. That's not, like, 100% for sure at the beginning. And when he does come for dinner, then he, like, opens up to her and tells her about his father and how it's, like, affecting him a little bit. And it seems like they're getting really close. And then, so I'm like, okay, they're going to do it. And then he gets up to leave. And then he says like, I'm going to take a shower. And I thought he was going to go inside to take a shower at her Mm -hmm. house. And then they were going to have sex. But then he literally just leaves. And he was like, I had a great time. Thank you for inviting me. And he leaves on his motorcycle. And I was like, this is the cutest thing in the world. Yeah. It's so charming. It is. I do want to talk about. Something with the scene, though, that was disturbing. I don't know if you noticed it or not. It was disturbing, but I also had to pause it because I was laughing so hard (laughs) thinking about it. Okay, so the song 
sitting on the dock of the bay comes on right yeah and maverick is like reminiscing about how his mother used to lay upstairs in her bedroom and have him play this record sitting on the dock of the bay Mm -hmm. song over and over again for her so that means that as a child maverick would have to sit by the record player and wait for the song to end so that he could put the needle back at the beginning of the song and play it again and do this over and over again while his mother laid upstairs in bed and then she died at which point does charlie inquire more into this horrifying memory no (laughs) she says what happened to your dad oh my god you're right (laughs) charlie that's insensitive (laughs) what let's back up i want to know more about this poor child yeah who had to sit by a record player Skipping the needle over and over again for his mom. Yes. So she could hear the same song on repeat. I imagine it's after the dad didn't come back. Mm -hmm. And that's why Charlie was asking, like, well, where was your dad? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So his man, he was an orphan. Kind of. At a young age. I mean, that's a demented image. Um, yeah, when you think about having to actually do it on a record, it is a lot more labor intense. I was thinking just like, I wasn't even thinking of those details. Just like if it were a CD, you would just hit the button one more time. But when it's a record, you got to be like there. You got to be precise. Aw. Poor little Maverick. Yeah, and Charlie's like, moving on. <laughs> You're bringing me down. Let's talk about something else. And then he leaves. The other thing that I thought was good was like, so after he hits on her in the bar with that whole dramatic scene and then she shoots him down. Um, the next day when he gets to his first day at the academy, the Top Gun Academy, then he sees that she is the instructor. Mm-hmm. And she's walking up to the front of the class and you can see that she has like a seam, like a back seam in her hose, which is like sexy. And she's still, so she like remains feminine, but also in control of all of these men. And I thought that was really nice. And she is obviously like very beautiful, but she's not like ever, they never have her in like a bikini or anything like that. Like she always maintains like her poise and like her respectability in his eyes as his superior really kind of, he knows that. Um, so that was really nice, but I thought it was good that when he realized that she was the teacher and like in charge of him, even though he had been shot down by her the night before that he didn't do anything to like embarrass her, which I was afraid he was going to do for some reason, because he'd be like resentful that she shot him down the night before, but instead he gets embarrassed and quiet, which I was like, that's nice. Isn't it terrible that I just expect him to like belittle her or like slut shame her or something? In some well, yeah. Way that. But that just how we're kind of like conditioned. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of these movies from the 80s conditioned us to expect the worst from men. It's true. And it's really sad because in my everyday life, like men don't act the way they act in movies Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like women don't (laughs) right yeah actually I'm just realizing no one does anything like they don't whistle as she's walking up the aisle in her sexy heels and stuff they don't do anything like that there's no cat calls like it's so great (laughs) it's interesting because uh these guys Jerry Brockheimer and Don Simpson they also did the flash dance oh oh my god and I know that. that's another role 
that has a woman that has a very unconventional job mm-hmm. where she's just shown having the job and nobody's saying anything about how she has the job or why or giving her a hard time. They're offering a alternative reality where women just have jobs like that. Gosh, that's great. Yeah. These guys are cool. I didn't realize. Being as feminist as they knew how to be. Yeah. Like I feel like there's an effort put in there to show women as humans. I think it's very, very pro-woman. Um, in the way that they treat the woman and portray the woman, and in the way that they cater to the female audience with the volleyball scene. <laughs> yes. All pro-woman. That was super female gaze. <laughs> it was. It's just like torsos. It was just like Hot, everything, torsos. everything women like. Pretty much. <laughs> Everyone was shirtless except for Anthony Edwards, which is like fine. <laughs> I feel like the fashion, even though it was the 80s, the fashion's pretty timeless. As far as like, I was looking at Charlie and her hair is really great. You could have that hair now. Mm-hmm. That was like the hair I wanted in junior high. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have like any teased 80s look to it. And her wardrobe doesn't either. And of course, the men are in uniform, so it's timeless as well. There's only very few times when anyone's wearing like a distinctly 80s looking fashion, which I thought was interesting for an 80s movie. You know, Matt, what, of course, what? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say he wears like a white t-shirt and jeans, which is like my thing. Like that's, a, I love that. Just uniform. Mm-hmm. And then I also love uniforms. Men in uniform and a white t-shirt and jeans. That's like my aesthetic. I've never been one way or the other about uniforms. Yeah. Uh, I don't. They don't do it for me. They don't don't do it for me. Yes. I think I've just been conditioned from a young age. Mm-hmm. Maybe about this movie. But also, like, I remember going to watch the Cardinals. <laughs> I was like a really little kid and being like super into their uniforms. <laughs> well, they are yeah. pretty tight. <laughs> like very early, mm-hmm. I was like, mm. yeah. I like these uniforms. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> just how I'm wired. Shorter shorts mm-hmm. on men are good. And <laughs> I really think that men are doing themselves a disservice by not wearing shorter shorts. I mean, it's coming back. That's good. There's this one shorts, they're called like chubs or something, and they're like, Brightly colored and short. Chubs? Yeah, I think they're called chubs. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> I think so. In the volleyball scene, none of them are wearing shorts except Anthony Edwards, Goose, and he's wearing like what they were called like jam shorts, which are like the long board shorts or something. Oh <laughs> like so those shorts. don't even count. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like a lot of being shirtless with jeans on. Yeah. So Maverick's playing volleyball in jeans. Which is like, okay. It was very impromptu, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the other two, Slider and Iceman, are both like shirtless with sweatpants on. And there's just a lot of sweat happening. And people like it. Yeah. It's it's not one of my like strong memories from the movie, but I know it's like super famous. But yeah, I actually didn't even remember it. And then I was like, wait, I think this is a thing that people talk about when I was watching it I was like it's got to be it's got to be one of those scenes that everybody is like "Ooh, I'm not into Tom Cruise physically Mm -hmm. I never have been he just doesn't do it for me and it was interesting to observe people be really into like to be like oh Tom Cruise or whatever I don't know I'm really fascinated by what people find attractive Mm -hmm. uh you know and other people like physical beauty like why 
why, like, I think like, why am I attracted to this person? Yeah. Or why am I not attracted to this person on Mm -hmm. like a deeper level than just like the visceral, like, I don't, you know, I'm not into that. It's just something to think about because you're, when you watch a movie, it's like you're invited to critique the physicality of the people in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, especially whenever you're presented with, you know, scenes of sweaty bodies that are moving around yeah. there for your viewing pleasure. And it's interesting the way that we've been trained to view other human beings as commodities of beauty Mm -hmm. and that that's really just a byproduct of making everything something to consume the potential to consume a candy bar you've got you've got 20 different candy bars at the checkout aisle that search for what's what's the best i want i want to find the best and the idea that there's always a potential better out there and so there's a sense of never settling you never settle for the candy bar and you never settle for the partner cuz you're always looking for one that's better I feel like movies sort of invite you to find things that are more beautiful. What's the best thing? I don't know. There's this movies like there's so much, everything's about being the best. Mm -hmm. And so it was making me think about competition and being the best and what it means to be the best and what's the drive behind it and why is our language so wrapped up in competition where whenever you give someone a compliment, a lot of times it's like centered around that they're better or that they are the best at something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do it. It's like, why, why do we need something to be the best or the most beautiful or the you got all that from the volleyball scene? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What? We were talking about bodies. Yeah. Bodies on screen for viewing pleasure. You were into Iceman. Let me just say that in watching this movie this time, oh, so you're not into Tom Cruise. I'm like not into him, but definitely as a child, I was like, yes, he's super cute. He just has like a wholesome face, but he's also good at playing like a smart ass, mm-hmm. um, which I like. So I think he had like a good combo of looking like sweet and innocent, but pulling off the cocky smart ass thing, but still being like a sweet, tender person inside. But now all I can think about since I saw this thing online a while ago is like all I can do is look at his teeth and how his teeth are misaligned and he has like a middle tooth. (laughs) Do you notice that? Have you seen that? I didn't notice it. Okay, look it up online on a picture where they like point it out and you'll never be able to unsee it. What? He has like a centered tooth. Um, Interesting. Yeah. He had a lot of dental work done. Like if you watch The Outsiders, his teeth are like bonkers. Mm-hmm. And then, so he did get them fixed after oh, that. Okay. And I guess they did the best they could do with it. <laughs> and I'm not talking smack on crooked teeth because I have crooked teeth. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> That's all I can look at now. <laughs> but he, I do feel like he's super adorable. And in this movie, I think he's, still adorable i can't help it yeah um and then he does it again in the remake did you see that no i don't know if it's out yet oh okay i feel like i have to see it um but the person that i like watching it this time guess who i thought was most correct (laughs) um Tom Skerritt. That's why I'm laughing so hard because I'm like, I'm afraid she's going to say Tom Skerritt. (laughs) (laughs) That is where 
Also, I think he looks like our friend's dad. I've always thought he looks like Anna's dad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not him. I I'm not. into slider. I'm I into knew- slider. Okay. Wait, which one's slider? That's Iceman's partner. Okay. I was like, I wondered if you were gonna say that say that one. I mean, I've I never really even noticed it before, slider. but this time watching it, I was like, <laughs> he's actually the cutest. Hmm. And he's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. He's well, kind of a jerk too. Yeah. I mean, when you're dealing with like the top 1% of fire pilots, there's going to be some big egos. Like, sure. That's just going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still Iceman 100%. Yeah. I wouldn't try to sway you from that. Yeah. Iceman forever. He's got the best personality and he's the most well adjusted, I would say. I mean, his hair could be toned down quite a bit, mm-hmm. but yes, have special helmets. Made. <laughs> oh well, okay. So Tom Skerritt though has I am like forever scarred. Why by that movie that came out in the nineties with Drew Barrymore and Tom Skerritt called Poison Ivy? Oh, <gasps> and also the the girl from Roseanne is in it. Oh uh, my god, Sarah Gilbert? Sarah Gilbert. Yeah, Sarah Gilbert. Did you see that movie? I did. Is this like a Lolita thing? I mean, don't get me started Ish. on Lolita. That's kind of that must be why I feel but, creeped out by him too, but I didn't remember why. Yeah. So here's my problem with okay, Lolita's about a predator. It's not a love story. Right. Let's just get that out of the way. I know you know that, but okay. let's get that out of the way. <laughs> but also, I love Nabokov. I love the book Lolita. And the movie Poison Ivy, Drew Barrymore's character, she's like a 16-year-old girl. And I think she's like actually 16 mm-hmm. in real life. Like she's still a teenager. So she comes into this family and seduces befriends the daughter who's her age who's played by sarah gilbert and then seduces her dad which is played by tom scarrett mm-hmm. and she's like aggressively pursuing him and it's a really terrible movie and i remembered when i watched it thinking like just feeling like sick to my stomach while i was watching it and after seeing it, I could not see Tom Skerritt without having like a kind of a visceral reaction from that movie. But that's like people thought that you look like Drew Barrymore and he looked like our friend's dad. So that might have added like another element for you. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Because I still was getting the Drew Barrymore thing as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Our faces went in totally different directions, though. I will say when Maverick goes over to Tom Skerritt's house, Viper is his name, I believe. Oh, yeah. His daughter, his teenage daughter walks by and and Maverick doesn't even check her out. And I was like, is this like the only time in 80s movies history where the lead doesn't just like, you know, frivolously check out? whatever teenage girl is on screen for no reason mm-hmm. and very obviously yeah they barely even show her mm-hmm. and that's something i noticed too i was like they don't even like show the daughter really she's in a bathing suit but it's like normal and she's wearing shorts mm-hmm. and i was like wow isn't it great that they don't make the teenage daughter go by and like a bikini yeah. while Tom Cruise stares at her ass. Yeah. It's like, that should not be something that has to be pointed out and applauded, but it is. But it is. So kudos to Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson again. So the music is like a huge part of this movie. And mm-hmm. Kenny Loggins is like hit maker, soundtrack king. But the song when they're playing volleyball is like the worst song. I get it stuck in my head now all the time. It's so cheesy. Playing, playing with the boys. And it's like, how is this a song? And why did they choose this? It could have been anything. 
so goose dies in the plane and the fighter jet yeah. crash. It spun out of control. Maverick, it wasn't Maverick's fault. Right. It actually was like a legitimate accident. It kind of was almost Iceman's fault. I'm just going to say it. I know you're a pro Iceman. But he was like, Maverick could have had the shot. And Iceman's like, no, just give me 10 more seconds. And then he couldn't get it. And he bailed out at the end. And then Goose and Maverick got caught in his jet wash, which messed up their engine. Yeah. So Iceman was following the rules mm-hmm. and the and following the rules to the letter and not using any intuition got everyone into trouble. Right. So mm-hmm. in a way, it's kind of like, yes, there needs to be protocols, there needs to be rules, but also sometimes things are gonna happen when you have to follow your intuition. Yes. And that it's actually a gray area and that things are not black and white. And we're human, not robot. That's what separates us from the robots is our intuition. I'm sorry. Mavericks and his tidy whities Oh, yeah. Uh, Viper comes in and he's like, he's like, you got to let him go. You got to let Goose go. It's like, yeah, he died like 20 minutes ago. I know. Thank you. I was writing that down too. It's like the same day. He was like his brother. Yeah. He died in his arms. (laughs) Maverick goes and talks to Goose's wife, Meg Ryan, and Mm -hmm. is like, She's like, Goose loved flying with you and he would keep flying without you. Like, you got to just keep doing what you're doing. So it's nice that there's no drama there. She's being like totally supportive and rational mm-hmm. in this moment of crisis. Um, and I say that because uh, there. W- I like it whenever movies don't always go for drama. Mm-hmm. You know, like this could have been like a movie where she like was like, what were you doing? And gotten upset at him. Like you were flagging the plane. I know you're a dangerous person. They could have taken it in that direction. Right. And they didn't. They were just like, she's a supportive human being. And a go- there is an ooey gooey center to this movie. Mm-hmm. It's very loving. He actually never even says a word in their encounter he's like so choked up he's about to cry the whole time like he can't even talk and she does all the talking he's becoming humble Iceman's like really nice to him is really nice yeah. to Maverick after which just goes further to show that like Iceman's not actually a jerk he's just a responsible adult person mm-hmm. that's trying to do a safe job that's good they all graduate then they're back 24 hours after graduation they're back on the indian ocean Mm -hmm. and there's a threat from the migs that are coming and they throw maverick up there even though he's been choking in the sky since goose died they throw him up there anyway they put him in the middle of this intense crisis situation and he does he like saves the day uh he does a great job he does such a good job that they're like hey you know what where do you want to go you're such a hero everyone in the country knows your name where do you want to go and he's like i want to be a teacher at top gun school it's a beautiful legacy he doesn't have anything to prove Yeah, because he found out that his dad was actually a hero. Mm -hmm. It was just top secret information. So it looks bad, but it actually isn't. He doesn't have anything to prove for his dad anymore. And he doesn't have anything to prove for himself. So. And then he takes 
instead of being a hero that is like in it for the glory and accolades, he's going to be a teacher. Yeah. Who is an enforcer of the rules. It's a beautiful turnaround. It surprised me because that's not what I remember people remembering about this movie. <laughs> like we were saying up top. Like, So that's really interesting. <laughs> it's true. That's not the takeaway. The takeaway is like all the macho flash yeah. action stuff. Not like the lesson and the personal growth. <laughs> Which is I mean, actually that's happening. Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, I guess that's just the marketing machine. That's like what gets you in the door. Exactly. And then people get caught up on these like catchphrases and scenes from movies that get played out over and mm-hmm. over and parodied and worn as Halloween costumes. And then you don't even know what the actual movie was anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true. I feel like this is the first time that I ever actually paid any attention to the story. Like I never really paid attention to the story. It was just like a series of sound bites and like visual clips that I was familiar with. And then this time I was like, oh, there's actually things happening here. Um, (laughs) There's actually a story, (laughs) not just flying. Wow. Um, Not just flying in motorcycles and romance. But yeah, and then at the end also, so he comes back and he's in this bar just having a drink alone. And then you hear... The Isley Brothers song, Come On, The Jukebox. You've lost that love and feeling. And then he turns around and he's like, could it be? And he's like, no, no one's there. Because Charlie's gone up to take her job in Washington, D.C. But then he walks toward the jukebox just to check it. And then she shows up behind him. Because she came back. She says, like, I heard this is where all the something are. What did she say? I heard this is where all the best ones are or something. I don't know. But she came back for him from Washington, D.C. So it's like, did she give up her other job or is she just like temporarily coming back to be an instructor still? I don't know for sure, but she's like back there for him. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, this is going to be complicated because that's what she said to him before when she was the teacher and Mm -hmm. he was a student. And then so you know that they're going to like pursue their relationship and it's really beautiful. I kind of took it like he was going to come back to work there. Yeah, I think so, so too. They're both working there. I think so. And I sort of also sort of got the feeling that part of why he chose to go back there had to do with her. Yeah, because at first when they said you can go anywhere, I was like, he's going to transfer to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. But then he didn't. He went back to the school. And then she came back to him. It's beautiful. Yeah. So what what question do you think we should ask? Oh, I actually thought of a question this time. Awesome. Um, so everyone has like their handle. Maverick's real name is mm-hmm. Pete Mitchell. Mm-hmm. It goes by Maverick. There's Iceman, Goose, Cougar, Slider, Piper, Merlin, Jester. What would your handle be? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> what would yours be? Pretzel. What you Pretzel? Because you're salty and flexible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually have nicknames. Right. I don't either. So I'm not a nickname person. So I don't know either. This is a good question, though, for people to think about. So um, tell us what your nickname would be. At podcast at gmail.com. I didn't look up any trivia on this movie. Yeah. It would probably be like, instead of Tom Cruise, they originally wanted Bill Murray. <laughs> That's what it usually is. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> 
We could just say that for the trivia for every episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to think about Bill Murray in these different roles. <laughs> Bill Murray as Maverick. Oh my God. They're like, you saw him in stripes. <laughs> now he's in the Navy. <laughs> Top Gun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. One thing that I can't say is wrong with Iceman is he's an extreme close talker. He really is an extreme close talker. <laughs> but he's always chewing gum, so his breath will be fresh at least. Yeah, he is always chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talks to everybody like he might just start kissing them. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like him, you know? Maybe. <laughs> he just doesn't have any boundaries. He doesn't. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like it, rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find us on Patreon. That would be great too. Um, we appreciate you. We can do. Yeah. We love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you next Tuesday. I'm going to sit here and blow sunshine up my ass. Thank you for listening to the Cover Your Eyes podcast. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>